Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Becky, and I want to welcome you to another podcast of Reconciling Grace. I'm joined today by pastors Don McDonald, Pastor Mac, P. Mac. I guess that that's how you go by it, isn't it, Don? Yeah, most of my life I've been Pastor Mac. Now. <laughs> okay. I told somebody the other day when somebody looks at me and calls me Don because retirement is coming someday, I won't know what to do with myself. All right. Well, we're also joined by Pastor Josh Kugel. And do they call you just Pastor Josh? No, they actually call me Pastor Mac. Pastor Mac, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, it's good to have you with us uh, today for this uh, podcast. And one of the things that I have been realizing as we live in this life and live in this world, and by golly, I tell you what, just think how much the world has changed in the past few years. I mean, in this past two years, it's changed a lot. But in the past five years, in the past 10, in the past 20, um, people are viewing the world in, in different ways each generation is viewing the world differently. Um, if you would have said to somebody, in fact, Billy Graham used to say when he was preaching, when he wanted to make a point that something was true, he would say, the Bible says, and that's all he had to say to make his point, and people would accept it by and large. Today, if you were say in a group of people, well, the Bible says, a high percentage of them would say, so what? What's the Bible? You know, the things that we stand for, the things that we have understood, the things that are part of our traditions have been um, becoming questioned. And one of the things that I have noticed has been happening over the past several decades is there's, there's been more and more of a move towards the idea that if you look deep down in a person, there is some good in them. Deep down, they're really good. And what I'm wondering is, is that truly a biblical statement? Is that the way it really is? Or is it kind of the way we hope things are, or the way we wish things would be? Um, are humans inherently good or inherently evil? That's the question for us today. I'm going to have us read a couple of scriptures in a moment. But before I do, do either of you have anything you would like to add before we get into the scriptures? Yeah, um, really quick, it probably won't turn out to be really quick. Adam and Eve are in the garden. God says, uh, I want to provide for you. I put you in a place that I set up perfectly. I want to be, I want to provide your food. I want to provide your drink. I want to provide your, your work. I want to provide your leisure. I want to provide for you, have a relationship with me. I'm going to take care of you. He even made us, he called us, uh, when he formed us from the dust, he called us, or the Bible calls us nefesh or living beings. The root word of that is the word for throat, and we are kind of beings that have a passageway that God can provide sustenance for us through. We breathe, we drink, we eat, um, all this stuff, and God wants to be our provider, and even Adam essentially said, we don't want you to be our provider. We're going to pick our own, um, and so I, I almost think that modern humanism 
whether we see it this way or not, the, the, the propping up of humans, the desire to, to see humans can be good, humans can have something in them to be good, is a desire to replace the provider still, mm-hmm. to say that we can do it without you. Um, Bible's clear, I think, that we're at least lost eternally without Christ. We're lost because we tried to, to replace God. We're lost we tried because we put ourselves in God's place. And I think it makes sense that even today we found a new way to, to, to describe it. We found a new way to argue it. But what we're really saying is we don't need, we'll say religion, but we all know who people target, especially in America and Western culture, when, who they're targeting. We don't need Christianity to be good. We can be good without it. The dumbest thing they don't realize, I think, is that they live in a culture that was completely shaped by Christianity. <laughs> and so they're essentially arguing, look, look what we can do without Christianity standing on a mountain that Christianity built. But that's beside the point. I, I still think it's the same thing. We're trying to supplant. We're trying to, to make a case that we don't need God. We can do it without him, even be good. But that's We'll get into that. But no, I'll tell you something, Josh. This is really interesting. And Don, I want to come to you in just a moment, but I, I just can't help but but say this is you started talking about a subject that I've been trying to develop an outline for for these podcasts. And you kind of got off on a little bit of a rabbit trail, but it was almost yeah. exactly the kind of thing that I wanted to explore. And that's have we tried to replace God with human intellect and human sure. self-sufficiency. And we don't need him. Right, right. And that's what I'm saying is that's what, that's kind of another whole idea, but yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, I think the Holy Spirit is kind of leading that. So Don, after all that stuff, did you have something <laughs> to say too? Uh, you know, when I was listening to Josh, go back to the American Revolution, the 1700s. There was the the teaching that, you know, God made it and then he backed off deism. That that God had done his thing. He walked away from it. And what you do with it, you do with it. So, you know, when, when you think about it in the light of humankind has always had tendency to walk away from God thinking they can do it better. Isn't that what a lot of scripture is about? Yep. You know, and, and I think when you're asking the question, and yeah, in a way we're rabbit trailing, and in a way we're not, because what we're really saying is in the human condition, we think we know best, and when that happens, we lean more towards brokenness and evil than the goodness of God, because we think we know best, and we mess it up. And, you know, and so when you look at the movement of history, not just today, but really since the creation of time, the beginning, look how messed up it got. And yet we we struggle with how do we view humankind as it relates to evil and as it relates to good, which is really the question you're laying out before us, Pete. Sure. And yeah, I mean, everything you guys have said is just like, I think, spot on. Um, But if we want to focus in a little bit today, specifically on the question of if humans are inherently good or inherently evil, I think there are two different scripture passages that I'd like us to read. 
And one kind of tends to show one side and one kind of tends to show the other side. So, um, Don, if you have Genesis <coughs> one twenty-seven in front of you, would you sure. read that for us, please? So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God is good. The Bible tells us that. Human beings are created all the time. Amen. Amen. <laughs> now let's compare that to something that God um, said, <clears throat> Genesis eight twenty one. Uh, his words are quoted in here. Um, Genesis eight twenty one. Josh, would you read that for us, please? It says, "The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done." And, of course, the part that I want to key in on there is the fact that God himself said, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. So there's a tension there. We're all made in God's image, yet every inclination of the heart is evil from childhood. And I, I, I think my understanding of the original language there is childhood doesn't mean, okay, the six-year-old. It means from the moment we're conceived from the moment we're born um that every inclination is is evil i mean you look at the youngest baby who is born and they're not about having a relationship with jesus christ they're all about give me what i need cry because i'm hungry cry because i need a diaper change you know and and that's not necessarily wrong as far as you know that that's human tendency we, we need to eat. We need to have our diapers changed. But it's like we're not born with the idea of thinking, how does this affect somebody else? How does this glorify God? Now, a lot of that is just because our brains are not developed at that age. We don't know. All we know is how to live. Mm -hmm. That's why I think that throughout church history, there's been what is called the age of accountability there's been a lot of discussion about when that is and and how much you know a person is accountable for something if if they for instance don't have the mental capacity to be able to uh make moral judgments things like that there's all kinds of rabbit trails we could get in on that but the question is when we look at these two scriptures what do we think about the idea if humans are basically good or humans are basically evil. What 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 are we inherently in our in our deepest deepest selves? Well, Pete, obviously a big transition has happened between the first and the second verse that we read. Correct. And it's the fall, um, mm -hmm. the entry of the 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 damage of self, the allegiance to the kingdom of the world, this kind of stuff. But there's another transition that happens. And, and I think it's, it's kind of important as well that I think leaves us where we are right now. Before the flood, if you look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, I think we all kind of, kind of know this verse a little bit. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. He decides he's going to flood the earth to save the human race, I really think. But then the statement that you alluded to right after that we just read seems to say that the human condition has not changed. And, and I got to be honest, this Genesis 6, 5 is the one I've struggled with kind of often, not, not really often, but I've struggled with before 
how could it be that they're not doing or thinking anything good? It's, it's not somebody out there making a meal and sharing it with their neighbor. It is not somebody out there seeing some homeless person and, and giving them a, a, a coin. And, and I thought, well, surely somebody's doing something good. But then I started thinking about it a little more. And this is where I think I fall in a lot of this. Every good act they're doing is layered on evil thought. It's done for the wrong motivation. We do that too. We help people for the wrong motivation. A lot of times, even as a pastor, I have to be really concerned and I have to let spirit work through me in this. And um, is that I'll, I'll arrange a, a, a feeding program or, or a serving program or something like that for the sake of getting people in church involved. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's not always, it's not always, hey, I just want to help people. And I think that's the statement here is they were doing kind things. They were doing good things layered on uh, the mistrust of years of this or the, the selfishness of trying to get ahead or, or, or just layered on, hey, this is charity. But the truth is, I don't really understand what charity is anymore because of the way I've lived my entire life. Mm -hmm. And that makes me even think to me today, every time I think I'm doing something good, maybe if God revealed what was really going on in that, I might be ashamed even in my good deeds and stuff which is also why I'm so glad for the gospel and everything, because it's not dependent on what, but I, I almost wonder if the, the first transition into the second one that you mentioned, the fall happened, but the, the one I brought up right before the flood to right after, it seems like the human condition is still the same. Now it hasn't gone on the extent of what it has before the flood, or maybe God has some stops in there or, or, or something, but it does seem like, at the root, we are still people that on our own cannot uh, live in a way that meets a standard that God sets or that, that, that is above human wickedness. So, mm -hmm. Don, I know you want to say a bunch on this. <laughs> I, I see Don leaning back, so I didn't know if you wanted to say something. I'd love to have you chime in. I, I was just taking in everything Josh was saying and... You know, I, I tend to feel when I work with people that we deal with inherent evil, even though that evil is bound by Jesus's resurrection. You know, we, we, we have that spiritual battle. I'm thinking Ephesians 6, you know, the spiritual warfare going on. And uh, we as human beings are tainted by sin where i mean the hardest part of the liturgy to read in the reformed church is when we baptize an infant because we do infant baptism in the life of the church here in the reformed um is reading that this child from the point of conception is conceived in sin you know here's this beautiful baby you know and you have to accept the reality and i know when i talk to parents about it they're like well how can this infant be seen as a sinner when you know and it says because sin has been here since genesis 3 and we deal with it all the time i i tend to the phrase that's in my mind i tend to acknowledge that we have a tendency all of us preachers included towards evil if we're really honest because that's how we're created after the fall but with Jesus, be it Nazarene or Reformed, 
we can grow in grace and we can understand that we can conquer sin in and through Jesus Christ. So I begin evil with the understanding that I can grow towards becoming like Jesus. And, and you know, because when I was looking over the title, are humans inherently good or evil? Culturally speaking, Pete, you're right. We tend to say, oh, they're not that bad. Theologically speaking, I'm sorry, people, we start that we are evil, but in Christ, there's such great things you can do. Well, don't we think, isn't it true? And this is why I think the biggest change, Joshua, I like what you said about what happened between the before the flood and after the flood. I really like that. But didn't the biggest change happen in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit was poured out? On people who believed in Jesus. I mean, Jesus said in, in, in um, John 14, 6 of himself, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That word way is really interesting because if we're talking about people and the, and the, um, inclination of our hearts, as it talks about in, Genesis 8.21, being evil, can't the inclination of our hearts simply be what's in it for me, what's the best for me, what's in my best interest, and when we repent, which means to turn around or change one's mind, can't that be going from my way, my own way, to the way, Jesus, who is leading us to the Father? And when he comes within our lives, when he lives within us through the Holy Spirit indwelling us, doesn't that get us on the right way? But that's not a natural movement. That's a supernatural. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. So when we are human beings, when we're looking at human beings, this, this is a tough thing for me to say. But. I think that there are people out there who tend to think they're good. But as you mentioned earlier, Josh, they're not doing it with God in mind. They're not doing it with, with glorifying Christ in mind. So, you know, hey, maybe they're feeding the hungry, which is a good thing to do. Don't misunderstand. You know, we need to help other people or, or doing other good deeds. But what's the motivation? Pete, Pete I, I look at it like this. I think. If, if somebody from the 50s, 1950s, walked into 2021 and started to look at Twitter, I think they would be shocked at the amount of sin on Twitter. I've been brought through the whole movement from, we'll say, the, the 70s through Twitter. And I can look at Twitter and I see a lot of things that are not sin. How is it that somebody that comes from outside of our culture would see sin at all of that? And I don't. And I think it's because I've adjusted to sinful behavior and almost begun to call it good or at least not bad. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's, this is what I'm saying about with, with Noah and everything in that time. I think that even our good things are on top of a layer of bad motivations. Uh, missing standards, 
that kind of thing. I, I, can, I can call you out online. Well, a lot of people do this. A lot of Christians do this on Twitter. They call each other out online and they tell them where they're wrong and all that kind of stuff. And then I think if you would take a step back and say, wait, wait a second, scripture seems to be against this in, in, in the first place, calling somebody out publicly. If you have a problem with them, you're supposed to go to them privately. So I've allowed the way the world works to determine what I think is good and bad behavior. And so when I do good, a lot of times, if, if, if all of the, the layers were removed, I might feel ashamed of the good I just did because it's the wrong understanding of what good is. I think the one, word, the one word is desensitized. Sure. We've been desensitized to it because we've been around it so much that we've sort of have lost, how shall I say, that standard? Um, and because uh, when, when we're looking over the issue of humanity, good versus evil, I, I'll be transparent. I Rather than getting into that argument in my own head theologically and with a sense of evangelism, I, I always lean into the word lost. I, I let God take care of the evil good judgment because really that's what he, he takes care of for me. What is my calling? What is the, the one thing that I can do is show people that the pure goodness, the love, the grace, the mercy of peace of God is an option here on earth that you need to see in Jesus. So I, I tend to, and maybe, Pete, it's because I've become desensitized to the reality of evil good. I, I don't know. It's something that I've, I've been praying about a lot. I, I, I tend to say, what does God want in this? How does Jesus want to shape this moment? I let Jesus do the judging. I let God do the judging. I just want him to know Jesus. So maybe I have become, the phrase that's in my brain, weak on the argumentation of how I view humanity. Other than they're lost. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't call it weak. I would say that I, I like the words that that you guys have used. I don't remember which one of you used it first, but it seems like you're saying the same thing, desensitized to this world we live in. Um, at the same time, we live in a culture that seems to be triggered by the wrong words here or there or whatever. And <clears throat> when I think of the word evil. To me, when I hear the word evil, that means like really, really, really bad, as opposed to, well, that's a sin. Well, you know, maybe that's just a little sin. Yeah, even mild gossip is evil. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Have we, yeah. have we sensitized ourselves to the point that small things that used to be called evil, well, they're not really evil, evil. They're not really a sin, sin, a little white lie, you I know, love white lie, white lie. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I'm saying is we, we've almost, we've almost made it a priority of sins these days. Yeah. And, and, and gluttony, gluttony is never on that list anyway. So yeah, as he says, well, I'm eating my chocolate chips here. So that's, <laughs> that's not gluttony though. Just because you're eating chocolate chips doesn't make you a glutton, but if you know for those things, <laughs> it's not that it bad. can be. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm saying is if you live for those things, then it can be gluttony. You yeah. know, you don't just because a person is um, overweight. I am overweight according to the charts. 
Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a glutton. Maybe it means that my uh, human disposition physically is towards that. I don't know. Um, hey, Pete, but that's another whole. That's another whole issue. The hey, point is, the record dad bods are in, so you're all right. Okay. <laughs> they're they're in for to dads, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but the point dads that will tell you that. Not yeah. grandpas, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm grandpa seven times over now. So, um, the uh, the the point that I'm getting at though is we don't think of the fact, and I'm calling this a fact because I believe spiritually it is a fact that anything that is done that is not done with the purpose of glorifying God as the intention. Hmm is evil. So when we start trying to solve things in this world without God, as much as we think we're doing good, are we maybe doing evil? Yeah. Are we relying too much on human beings and our and our knowledge and our wisdom without acknowledging God? Are we driving people away from God? Yeah. I think the other word though, Pete, that comes to my mind, <coughs> not just glorifying God. But it's loving God. You know, I was thinking about, you know, what is the greatest commandment that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Second, like unto it, love your neighbor. I had to finish it. Um, and, and, and I think one of the reasons why when we look at the reality of humanity, I think it's good we have the conversation about good and evil and the inherence of evil in humanity is a part of our reality but so is glorifying God. So is loving God and bringing out the goal of growing into the likeness of Christ. Both is, is, a Nazarene and a reformer can agree on that one. Is, is there a way to glorify God without being a child of God? I don't think so. And that's the bottom line key that people will totally disagree with me about at times. Yeah, I think I think there are a lot of Christians who say that that truth is truth. Uh, somebody reflecting God is reflecting God, whatever their their soul state. So I, I, I'm curious. I, I'm not sure exactly how to answer that. Yeah. Hey, I thought it'd be really quick to to let Paul speak to this, and I'm going to sound I'm going to sound um, a little smarter than I am. But Paul is going to string together in this. I just read this. He's going to do something called stringing pearls, where he quotes six different Old Testament passages, and and um, I'm going to I'm going to look at Romans chapter three. Um, starting in verse nine. Well, then, should we conclude that Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we've already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin, as the scriptures say. And then he begins to quote different places in the Old Testament. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Mm. Yep. And you know what? We <laughs> then let them be influenced. We need to let them come to know God through Jesus Christ. Well, them is us. I'm sorry. Them, them is us. Well, them is us. True. <laughs> yeah. But those are. But those he was talking about 
were were the non-Christians, wasn't he? And no, no he's I, I, he's talking about all, and then he ends that with with for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Right, we, we are all incapable. We're all sinners. We're all in, the law simply shows us how sinful we are. Correct. So, is Paul's argument. Right, so I, so I, then I, he goes on to say Christ took our punishment. Christ made a way where there was no natural way at all. So to argue even that that humans, I don't know, we could we be good? Well, I, I think Paul would say no. I think Paul would say the only way to salvation is something outside of us. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I think, where I was getting at, Josh, because I think that what you and I are on the same page, though. We're talking about these are the things that happen, but Christ took that upon himself, and through him, he fulfilled the law so that with the Holy Spirit within us, we can come to him. We can be saved. We can do good things. That doesn't mean we are always successful. That doesn't yeah. mean that just because we're Christians, we are always going to do it exactly right. But hopefully our motives are pure. I like to talk about it like this. Let me use the 50 cent uh, uh, word here or the phrase functional trichotomy. You know, human beings are made up of, of body, mind, and spirit. And when I say body, that's the flesh. That's the part of us that just wants what we want. The, the spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, can influence us for God. And then the soul or the mind is kind of where it all kind of comes together and confuses us. And we try to do one thing like where Paul said, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do, I don't, I don't do want to do. I do. And things like that. And who's going to rescue me from this, from this body of death. He says, praise to the Lord, you know, who rescues me. And the bottom line is I can't just separate my spirit from my flesh from my mind, as, as I've heard it said before, if you have a cherry pie, there's there's crust and there's cherries and there's the, the filling. You can't just, uh, you know, it's all mixed up together in there. You know, you can't just, I, I suppose you could. Maybe, maybe, maybe make it Kool-Aid. Remember when you used to get the packets of Kool-Aid and you have to put in the powder, and you have to put in the sugar, and you have to put in the water and you stir it all up. You can't just say, okay, now pull out a teaspoon full of sugar. I suppose mm. you could if it sat long enough, but still. Um, the idea being is it's all mixed up. It's all intertwined. And we as Christians, because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, we do have a part of us that is good. And I think that we can glorify God because of that. Well, we may argue that all of us <laughs> is good because when God looks at us, he sees his son. So, yeah. Sure. But, but what I'm saying is, we have that basis. We talked about that basis. You know, what is, what is our, our motivation, I guess, is what I'm talking about. So, so, Pete, would you say that our natural inclination to sin has been replaced with a natural inclination to please God? You're going to get into my doctrine of, in Church the Nazarene of entire sanctification if you start talking about it. And if I, I mean, that, there's a reason I asked you that, Pete. Right. And I'm trying to I, set you up. And Open the door wide, Josh. Come on, man. If you're trying to ask me that, I believe that, yes, that can be the case for Christians, where our natural inclination when we come to Christ can be to follow and, and, and um, glorify, and John, you use the word love, God. That doesn't mean we can't go against it, but it means that that's our natural inclination, where before that, our natural inclination 
is to serve self. Hmm. So there we go. You heard my Nazarene uh, <laughs> coming out of me now. And uh, I don't, I don't. I knew I'd bring it out. Yeah, that Josh. <laughs> I don't say that apologetically either. I, no, I don't. that's the, that's the, this, that's the uh, charming view of the church of the Nazarene, isn't it? The endearing, the, the endearing view of the, I mean, it's a, it's, it's one that should attract people to it, I would think. Yeah. And I don't know that I've ever heard the word charming, but well, <laughs> it's, but, but seriously, that's, that's how I see it. That's how I understand it. So I believe that there is a difference between people being inherently good and inherently evil. And the bottom line is, I think that we are all born into this world using, we don't want to use the word evil, but we, we are not born in this world naturally wanting to glorify or love God. What does the scripture say? Something like our goodness is like rags or something like that. Right, It's like dirty rags. Yeah. Yeah. So Don, you're the, you're the Calvinist over there. The, the, uh, the guy who believes in total depravity. Have we said anything that really totally offends you there? You know, not really because my thinking builds upon the whole you know second corinthians 5 17 if anyone is in christ he's a new creature you know creature. old things have passed away and behold things have become new the you know when i preach and teach the reality of who we are as human beings i always start with the reality of yeah we're totally depraved but our goal is to grow towards christ our goal is to become that new creation and when I preach and teach that text in particular, and I've done it a couple of times in my 27, 28 years, I always remind them we are in process. And in the process, we're in spiritual warfare. And the devil wants to take you one way, and Jesus wants to take you the other way. The old has come, you know, the old is gone and the new is coming. And, and you know, for me personally, uh, you know, we do the perseverance of the saints you know, that as you persevere, you will grow in Christ type of language. And, and I really believe that, you know, when, when, when you're growing in Christ and you persevere, you're becoming more and more like Christ. So do we do it with the sanctification type of doctrine? No. But do we do it with an understanding that we're persevering to become something great in Jesus? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and just for the record, we don't say in the Church of the Nazarene, that we can never grow again. We say that there's a difference between entire sanctification and spiritual maturity. We still learn, we still grow, but um, you know, there's there's always room for 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 movement forward. We call that growth in grace. You might call it progressive sanctification. You know what? I don't really care what people call it. The bottom line <laughs> is, we we want to live and go God's way through Jesus Christ. And continue to get closer to him throughout our lives. <clears throat> so, um, you know, and that's the key. I can't help but say we need to emphasize that whole John 14, 6, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That that's what we need. We need that repentance to turn around, stop going our way and to go God's way through Jesus Christ. And so whether we're, we're Calvinist, whether we're you know, in a Reformed church, whether we're Baptist, whether we're Nazarene, Wesleyan, whatever, the bottom line is we all need Jesus, folks. Mm -hmm. And we want him to live within us 
through his Holy Spirit, because he is the one who has the grace that reconciles us to God. Grace reconciles, reconciling grace. You guys know where I got the name of this of this podcast now. That's kind of what it was about. So anyway, um, it's probably about time to wrap things up here. I think we're getting about that time, aren't we, Don, um, as far as the clock goes? I think I, I guess so. I really haven't looked. I've been enjoying our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had the timer. You thought I had the timer. And then I, I, thought, I, think, you, I thought you had the timer, to be honest. I, I thought I did too. Then I realized I forgot to look at it. But that's the nice thing about podcasts. We're not tied to a certain time, but we don't want to get it to go too long. So I think maybe it's time to just wrap things up today, guys. But I have really enjoyed this conversation. You know, we might say things a little bit differently. But the thing is, Don McDonald, pastor, Josh Kugel, pastor, Pete Becky, I guess associate pastor, if they ever get my my uh, credentials worked out here. I have the credentials. I just haven't gotten the, the assignment paperwork done yet. Um, but still, we're all Christians. And you know what? The fact that we're pastors really doesn't make a difference because we're children of God. Why? Because we have trusted in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ lives within us through the Holy Spirit. And we are following his way rather than our way. So Pastor Don McDonald, Pastor Josh Kugel, and this is Pete Vecchi. I want to thank you both for joining us. And I want to thank everybody who's listening for joining us today. Please feel free to send us your comments, your questions. Send them to RG, the letter R, the letter G, at faithandfriendsradio.com. And Lord willing, we'll see you again next time for another podcast of Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.